Welcome to Gender Weird, the podcast where we ruin your favorite movies by calling them gay. This is Jane from Style of Substance. And this is Vivian Strange. Today, we are going to be talking about the most era-defining queer and trans film of 1999, and The Matrix. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're talking about... Uh, uh, the Matrix and Fight Club. If you if you somehow aren't familiar, um, they're both from 1999. Uh, the Matrix was made by the Wachowski sisters um, before they came out as the sisters. That is Lana and Lily Wachowski. And Fight Club um, was uh, directed by David Fincher. The screenplay was written by Jim Oles, and it is based on the 1996 novel Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk, who at the time was a closeted gay man, yes. but since since came out. Yeah, since came out, but I feel like if you actually have read Fight Club, uh, it's pretty clear that he was gay. <laughs> yeah, same like, and same with the same with the Wachowskis. It's it's very hard not to like. I I, I I've known ever since I've known who they were that Lana at least was trans. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had been like an adult in 1999 after having seen Bound and then The Matrix, I would have been like, if this podcast existed, then I would have been like, okay, so the Wachowskis are are trans. Um, they're eggs. That's that that just seems obvious. <laughs> Um, and Polanyuk is, he is notorious for very, um, transgressive, uh, queer, queer literature, Mm -hmm. um, generally very disturbing, the, um, pervasive faggotry of (laughs) Polanyuk's fiction. Um, his, his first book was actually, uh, the one he wrote first, but didn't get published until after Fight Club because everybody rejected it. It's called Invisible Monsters. Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a trans character, um... There's transness and gender fuckery and gender weirdness all over the place, and like it's he, he's he's he messes around with gender a bit one way or another and defies our expectations for gender. Oh yeah, and I think that Fight Club kind of like ticks all those boxes. For as transgressive as it may be, I do think that that the book is more transgressive in some areas. The author does actually prefer the film, if I remember right. Yeah, but but basically, when the narrator Edward Norton meets uh um Brad Pitt's character Tyler Durden. In, in the book, that actually happened at a nudist beach, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, but but uh, one way or another, it's it's pretty gay. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's, it, it's like, very like, gay. Like, maybe it's not quite as overt, but if we learn anything from the celluloid closet, which we talked about last time, it's that, you know, people have been incorporating intentionally gay themes in their films for decades. Also, I am one like 100% sure that even if David Fincher, because David Fincher is one of those directors who seems um, aggravatingly straight to me, uh, which is saying something because, you know, y'all know how <laughs> I am. But um, Brad Pitt and Ed Norton were definitely playing the characters like playing up the homoeroticism between them like and maybe that's just an actor's thing I'm just they thinking get about the it. scene where they're like um where he's kind of beating around the bush about spending the night with him and he's, <laughs> and he's just like cut the foreplay but even before he said that i was like oh my goodness gracious this is just like how gay men act at bars and stuff if they're kind of shy about like um he is so flirtatious it's it's hilarious um so i will say uh when I think, you know, you proposed the uh, covering the Matrix on this podcast, I was like, oh my god, are we really going to be talking about the fucking Matrix? Because uh, 
just so everybody knows, literally every trans femme YouTuber that exists um, has has a video on how the Matrix is trans. So, uh, including me, <laughs> including me. Oh yes, including uh, Stylist <laughs> Substance. Um, go check that one out. My uh, hot take on the Matrix. I love the Matrix like so much. Like the the whole the whole franchise, including Resurrections. My hot <laughs> controversial take is that. Yes, it does work as a trans allegory, sort of like like there there is that dimension to it there, and the the Wachowskis have actually like you know they encourage and welcome uh, trans readings of of the film, but all o- all around, I think it sells it sells the movie short by by confining it to that. I think like on one hand we do have like a lot of conservatives that are really apprehensive to the kind of like retroactive reading that like oh hey actually this film that all these guys love um that is actually like a little bit on the on the transgender side. Like I I I get like like there's like kind of this apprehension from like the conservatives. But, yeah, and fuck all those guys um, though. It, yeah 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 fuck those guys but the people that are, um, you know, the strongest proponents of kind of like the trans reading, like, yeah, they're, they're onto something and that's cool. It is, it is, it is cool that we kind of like snuck this like trans film into the, into all these like mainstream cinemas and it kind of spawned this like franchise. Uh, at the same time, like the, the matrix is so much more than just like a trans film. It really and is. It really is a like zeitgeist defining, uh, uh film like the way that like uh the matrix and not just the matrix but fight club and and a bunch of other films were made it really reflected like where the united states was at towards like the mid to late 90s basically there was kind of the uh the fear of y2k the columbine massacre you know the presidential scandal as we kind of plunge into the digital age you know our anxieties about conformity and kind of like the, the simulated image of success in America that was really like sold to us in the 80s kind of started dying down. We entered this postmodern existential crisis and that's reflected in, you know, like all sorts of different films, you know, like happiness, eyes wide shut, American beauty, being John Malkovich, Magnolia, office space. They're all kind of like deal with like where America was at, you know, at the end of the decade which is funny because if they just waited two years later what they were really waiting for <laughs> was 9-11 for context um the cold war from the end of world war ii in the 40s until the berlin wall fell in 1989 the following decade after that 1989 to like 1999 was when the the iron curtain opened up and american capitalist neoliberal culture was able to uh spread uh to it, ca- capitalism won it won the cold war and it ruled the world essentially uh everything fell under the american normality our our consumerist entertainment culture because capitalism is um an evil and corrosive system uh that was uh, and america is in is in uh evil empire that is ruining the world um it's uh this this wasn't a this wasn't a great time even though on the surface on the surface there was the narrative that yeah no everything is great uh we're 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 prosperous we have you know this is this is seen in uh in in fight club um where he's commenting on 
the narrator, um, uh, his name is Tyler Durden, but fuck it, I'm going to call him the narrator. Um, the narrator reflects on the, the consumerist culture that, you know, that is, has taken over and the dissatisfaction thereof, it, it permeated like, like all the, the, the films of the late nineties. So many of them have all, so many similar like things, um, mm-hmm. like in them, American like, Beauty and Fight Club, they have a very similar kind of like, uh, mentality of like, you know, th- this isn't life. This is just stuff. These are just things. And you kind of have that basically echoed in Fight Club from the same year. Yeah. And basically a lot of these films were really kind of deconstructive of like what you know like basically we we work jobs that we don't um like to buy stuff we don't need and we ourselves become commodified in a way and kind of yeah yeah it's it's and and there's a lot of like the the attitudes towards consumerism and that disillusionment um there are also a lot of very uh more specific commonality shared mm-hmm. that that crop up in, in these like um apocalyptic ennui um repressed sexuality and sexual transgression failing digital systems ordinary people massacring their peers vis-a-vis gun violence um that shows up in in the matrix in uh happiness it, it, it's, it's sort of like referenced in in fight club that one scene where he's uh threatening his boss um emerging radical counterculture groups slash cults um mm-hmm. like a sense of artificiality masks and fractured alternate identities like all this stuff was like s- symptomatic of what was happening then and the crazy thing is uh anti-establishment um messages and uh, of like both like the matrix and fight club are very resonant today because you know we still live under that exact same system right and in a way it's almost like we we live out our our everyday like lives like doing the same thing more or less you know and i think i think part of it is like 9-11 almost functioned as this kind of like this like okay all this like existential dread that we were facing um, forget that. Let's all unite against like a common enemy, kind of like unite as like a nation. We're just like circling back around to where we were, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. And and I think that that kind of like this like disenchantment with kind of capitalism, it just kind of like sneaks up into like every corner of our lives, and yet we still contribute to it. I mean, we have to to survive, but at the same time, we can we contribute to it, and then. You know, if we want to find success, if we want to live out the American dream, have more things we don't need, we basically slave ourselves away. And, yeah. And, 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 in, and in effect, you know, the image of success, American success, America has like only a matter of decades left, I think, that the American experiment. If that. If that. <laughs> yeah. You think that it won't last that long? Oh, I think, I think shit's going to fucking blow up next year. Um, maybe literally, uh, like we only have, as far as like nat- like presidential elections go, we have one or two left in us. Like I, that is how uh, optimistic. Yeah, I, I don't am know. I I, th- I think future. I think I think we might be. I think America might be on life support a bit longer than that. But at any rate, I think that you know, with like environmental catastrophe just on the horizon, um, and people not doing jack shit about it. Yeah, I think that we kind of um are destined to uh like fail because you know i think you know rome fell and and and, uh all empires fall all all empires fall but basically the success the american success that's kind of like um that the mask of success which is like reflected so much in like 
Fight Club uh, early on in the Matrix, kind of, though Neo is always dissatisfied with it. He has like, um, you know, all sorts of different films. Um, they, from this time period, basically American success was crumbling in on itself. And mm-hmm. we're basically, it wasn't successful. We're just living out our um, our own kind of paths to kind of gain like like the American dream. To what end though? Those who succeed in like the corporate world, what what, what are we left with? We're left with like a hollow shelves, basically of ourselves. Yeah, and we we feel dissatisfied. And in effect, what people are doing, what people are sacrificing their like kind of like own internal interest for, is basically contributing to a simulation of sorts in the Baudrillardian sense. Um, basically, we all live out our lives. And do things that kind of um, are are against our nature to conform, and, and we're all performing in a way. And in in effect, what the matrix, what the actual matrix, like in like the film, what that represents, the you know what taking the red pill is. It's not estrogen. I mean, you can read it as such because you know if you're trans, you kind of more likely to like open your eyes about. Yeah, you know, you're you're, yeah. you're you're more likely but to again. It's all it's, right, it's but you're, you're more likely to get woke, right? Um, and kind of like, and and what woke means being able to like open your eyes to like injustice in the world when it comes to marginalized communities, whether it be like race, class, gender, yeah. sexuality. Um, to be awake, to remain aware and alert that the world around you does not have your best interests at heart, and to to remain aware of that and stay awake to reality so in a way waking up to reality in the matrix is taking the red pill and conservatives don't get it it's not like conservatives don't get it because they don't get anything because they don't want to think they're all blue-pilled so what taking the red pill means is class consciousness Yep, the red pill is an estrogen, it's class consciousness. The Matrix is capitalism. The way Morpheus describes the uh, the, the Matrix, and be, beyond the whole, like, when he gets down to the actual brass tacks, it's a computer-generated dream world. Um, but the more vague terms he's talking about it in, you've felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that brought you to me. You know, I'm talking about the Matrix. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us, even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. The truth being that you are a slave. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, into a prison that you cannot taste or see or touch, a prison for your mind. That is capitalism. That, that is neoliberal capitalism. <laughs> and, and yeah, gender, gender is a part of that, obviously, because gender is- Yeah, a, it, it is. Yeah, but it's, yeah. I, I don't like the idea of the matrix as just a, like a, a one-to-one trans allegory, because it, <laughs> being quite honest, there are, uh, far too many trans people who are still, uh, sleeping, um, for the Matrix to be a, like, a, a one-to-one trans allegory, because also, fun fact about, uh, both, um, the Wachowskis, or Lana Wachowski and Chuck Palahniuk, their, um, coming out, coming outs, um, were in, Lana was outed in 2003, um, and uh, in 2004, Chuck Palahniuk came out because he was on the verge of being outed. Um, mm. It was almost like framed as like a dirty secret. 
Lana was like outed by like a trans man of all people, uh, Buck Angel. Yeah, who, like a, right? a trans. I I don't know what he called himself. Fuck Buck Angel, though. Uh, he is um is a gender fascist. It, it, it's quite sad and quite pathetic to see fellow transgender people or transsexual, whatever your preferred nomenclature is, to see fellow trannies basically just kind of like eat each other up. Or try to be like the good ones, try to be in, in the good favors of, of kind of like the people that oppress them, because they're they're going to be slaughtered too. Mm-hmm. And so Buck Angel, I guess, was like a a, a transsexual like like a uh, man porn star, and, and uh, Lana like slept with his wife or something. Yeah, is that right? I that's, think so. That's yeah, a pretty great. <laughs> yeah, queen shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and 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 I know that like uh, the the enemy uh, people like to say that the enemy and uh, the Matrix is is modeled off of Buck Angel, but that's like highly unlikely. Oh yeah, no, like and it, it, it's eerie. It's it's hilarious. Um, it, it, but so the character of Cipher, I mean, like kind of like what's interesting about him is basically he functions like a Buck Angel type, and basically is like he he chose to wake up and accept the fact that you know he is like uh trans in a sense or or, or wake up to class conscious however you want to kind of interpret the matrix um and yeah. realize oh why did i why didn't i take the blue pill i'd rather live in ignorance conservatives living in ignorance mm-hmm. and and and, and it's, you know this is something that's kind of like observed in reality and i'm sure that like what it's presenting like what the matrix is is the condition the existential crisis that america was going through like nothing feels right and um, it took 9-11 to kind of, like, make them go completely backwards, but that was inevitable, too. Yeah. Because um, the pendulum, the political pendulum does swing, and that's why I think America has a bit more time on its hand, um, I think. Uh, like, the hourglass keeps, like, kind of, like, uh, turning, I guess you could say. Yeah, definitely. I have, a, like, a little theory about the, the Matrix regarding the the wanting, wishing you took the blue pill and wanting to be, you know, back back asleep. In the context, in in the text, I cannot remember, and I've not seen any of the supplement. Like I've never seen the Animatrix, um, because I don't honestly give a shit. Um, it's and, it's alright. But like in 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 the Matrix itself, uh, to my to my knowledge, it's never uh confirmed that they would be able to plug Cipher back in. I mean, yeah, the agents say so, but if you could go back, would you want to? Um. As as yeah, you know, question I have for people who well, that's what um, Morpheus. That's what Morpheus asked Neo. Basically, like like you know, would you go back to like putting yourself back to sleep? You know, um, would you go back inside that egg that he literally emerges from? And, and I I get why a trans reading like lends itself pretty well to this, but yeah. a trans reading without the without effectively including capitalism or corporatism you know like it, that's pretty much intertwined, yeah um is not a very good reading in my opinion um yeah it's 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 all about control and power the matrix is a system of control it's a system it's a system of control and it echoes reality and it echoes basically what like what like john Baudrillard was kind of like saying in his like um simulacra and simulation which is actually featured in the film um although although i I know he had some criticisms towards like the film basically because he kind of he kind of felt like it didn't quite like like represent what he was saying and and it's true i think basically we just have to kind of look at like the matrix in the matrix as like a metaphor for the the very real matrix of real life that's not to say that like nothing is real but that we constantly perform that we're socially plugged into the system of control and thinking 
And we kind of, and some of us benefit from it, you know, and because and if we wake up and see what's around us, we see that people are getting slaughtered, people are suffering. Yeah. You'd rather sit down and, and eat steak, basically. It makes <laughs> sense. I mean, I, I get it. I get oh, yeah. why people would rather just like not think about these things. Like, oh, why do you have to shove this in our face? All these political, well, why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's like, it's it's what's going on. P- people People complain about like the fourth one for being woke or whatever but it's like the whole thing is about waking up you know the the point of the matrix resurrections is to illustrate that the same shit in the matrix like 23 years previously is still the case we're still living under the same system but this this new system this new matrix has adapted and has incorporated the original matrix into it that's why it's it's this this game this trivialized thing um that has been you know commodified to hell and back um it's like yeah we all we're all familiar with the 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 metaphor the concept of the matrix because it has been for the last 20 years so deeply ingrained into our consciousness and it has been co-opted and appropriated by uh the 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 red pills and fight club is the same way uh it's very very interesting because both like you know like we said both of these movies have been co-opted by uh conservatives and gender fascists and the like Mm -hmm. and fight club fight club 2 was i'd argue that fight club was uh kind of damned from the start because one reason that the book i'd say is more transgressive than the movie is the book is not filled uh, cover to cover with Pepsi product placement. Um, well, isn't that like somewhat like ironic though? All the Starbucks cups and, and Pepsi cans. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is kind of the inevitable thing, and with the exception of maybe Matrix Four, which was like deliberately designed to not be profitable, and it worked. Um, yeah, at least that's like kind of like my theory. It definitely is metatextual, and, and it, it it definitely hates itself in a way, and it's and, or kind of hates like like the, like what created this like. It resents the fact that it has to exist at all. Uh, you know, but but the original Matrix film and like Fight Club, you know, Fight Club of course flopped initially, but you know, it's both of these films are designed to be successes because you know a, a studio pushes like a film they, they of course want it to be successful yeah or gain notoriety at the oscars or something mm-hmm. um that's kind of like what they want which brings more social clout and so on and so forth we, we've talked so much already on this podcast about how like true transgression does not come from the mainstream it comes outside of it and yeah. i think that's true and you know like fight club may be relatively transgressive the matrix may be relatively transgressive they're blockbusters at the end of the day yeah they're still studio they're still like distributed by major studios and something is distributed by a major studio and it it has like large profit incentive and not just making back its budget but more so bring the studio like boatloads of money yeah it ultimately like kind of like feeds into the system itself it feeds into the system that it critiques and that's ultimately kind of what um the the irony the 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 internal paradox about like kind of like uh where art is at you know especially kind of these these like films that we love like i'm sorry um to the trans audiences but the matrix is not that transgressive it's really not it's like like at the so the wachowskis were like i i i do honestly think they were not setting out to make a trans metaphor um like because if you watch interviews with them when they're talking about the original matrix and whatnot they were very online more online than the average than the average you know person at the time because (laughs) trans that's no surprise (laughs) um 
that's where, you know, we, we generally were at that time. They were more online. They were more connected to uh, world cinema um, than the average moviegoer. And uh, and they were more woke. Um, yeah, I mean, they can be kind of clumsy sometimes, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, um. that's uh, as worth noting. But, like, but they wanted to make a cool action movie. Incorporated all sorts of diverse talent and spoke to and 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 would appeal to the audiences of the time because you know they they knew what was up. Uh, so you know, hence that's what the Matrix came out of. Like they weren't with Fight Club and the, and the product placement and whatnot. And irony, the irony at at the time was we realize now that irony on its own is uh, bullshit and doesn't help anybody it does it does it's not transgressive it doesn't make any progress in the 90s though like irony was the thing yeah i mean because like america is like slow to catch up to everything that includes like acknowledging the postmodern condition and that's what happened um capitalism encourages people to to have a false sense of rebellion so because that way they can get it out of their system and return to their jobs Mm-hmm. You know how many people were like, "Oh, yes, like fuck the system and and uh, you know do this, do this, eat the rich." Um, um, but but then also with the pandemic, there's a, a huge return to normalcy. Yeah, yeah, it's the- not gonna return to normal, and we're not normal now. We've yeah. already moved past that, and we're, we've broken out of that simulation. Yeah, we're uh, it's 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 new, and this the, the system adapts to commodify and assimilate rebellion mm-hmm. and and really that's like we we can see that in fight club like itself like like the yes. uh the fight they start the fight club as a um a a justified and like a very valid expression of uh rage and discontentment uh resistance if you will that is co-opted that that, that is 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 co-opted turns out to be just another death cult uh at the which is you know because at the end of the day capitalism fascism all that is a death cult Um, right and i would argue that kind of like the image of you know like uh tyler brad pitt's like tyler that is it kind of like paints himself as like being kind of like the natural man kind of like returning to our roots you know yeah man's man's roots uh and uh rebelling against the system and also like in kind of like dominating find this internal like spiritual kind of like um uh success in in a, in a way through violence and vandalism and in kind of this like um this vague sense of uh, of anarchy and 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 it's it's quite fascinating. But at the end of the day, it's also they also associate uh, being neutered by society to being feminized, and then therefore women are a threat. Women are only supposed to be sexual conquests. I remember just a few years ago, the contemporary reading of Fight Club was like it's it's actually an indictment of masculinity. Everything is satirical. You know, the people that celebrate it for being pro masculinity aren't getting it. And like, yeah, they aren't getting it, but at the same time, it's not just like feminist in a very reductive sense. It, it's basically saying that, in my opinion, I think what's saying is that the true masculine liberation comes from rejecting all social impositions, and that includes the idealized kind of like Tyler image. And, and kind of that cult mentality, the misogyny, that's socially imposed. Mm-hmm. So rejecting that is where you, you liberate yourselves as men. 
um, and something that we need to, you know, as like gender theorists, we need to kind of like move away from is the separatism of, you know, the primary genders, men and women, because at the end of the day, we have more in common than, than we might think. Uh-huh. Tyler and the narrator, they attribute this to like women gaining social power. They're being neutered by consumerism, corporatism, capitalism. They are, they're feminized. We're a generation of men raised by women. Right. And that's the problem because women are, you know, they're getting more social power. So now it's time to rebel. They blame it on that. And that's what incels do too. You know, these are like oh yeah, slightly cooler version of incels, but they're ultimately skin, they become skinheads. Men turn to violence to give into their perceived natural state that's outside of society. But in, in the mix of all that, they create like a new cult philosophy and machismo that's like, that's still ultimately being sold to them because again, capitalism sells that, uh, that sense of relief. That way they can, you know, yeah, go back to what they're doing and they're not really escaping kind of like the confines of gender. Before we get into the trans stuff, like, I want to say that, like, violence, I think, is a supplement for their true desires. Uh-huh. Um, you know, homosexuality, transness, it's wrapped into one, queerness. Throughout the film, it's super homoerotic by intention, but it's, but, but the violence it isn't meant to represent, like, literal sex. But they fight in secret, like, as, like, this, like, and they trade fucking for fighting they want to be on top of each other they want to be closer to one another they want to find that true camaraderie that's through giving to their testosterone into their like aggression my take on violence is that it is not inherently a bad thing um see the the people i know who because i know plenty of people who like fighting and i know many more people who like hurting um uh, and masochists or getting uh, hurt yeah, or yeah, getting hurt. Um, and the thing that they they express that uh, so many of them express is a joy and pleasure drawn from fighting that and 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 the contact of like f- consensual uh, violence uh, infl- inflicted upon. Because really, that's what it is. Like this fight club, I don't see anything with what with what they do. They gather and they beat the shit out of each other. Um, consensually uh, to to let off steam and to be close to one another, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I don't think it's in an inherently anti-masculinity stance. I, I think that that's fighting is just as valid as fucking for uh for the you know the, the gratification of of physical desire. Right, and the way that the that the narrator actually describes like like being beat or beating other people is very very homoerotic, but also like if oh, a yeah. place like fight with fuck we are left with men that are meeting up with each other in secret to go down on one another the (laughs) cult members they talk in code and what they do they see each other at work they know what they do at night and they nod they give a little nod they don't say anything because the rules are you don't talk about it you don't say gay you know yep exactly don't ask don't tell and also, like, what I find interesting, I can relate to this as, like, a trans person. And and yes, there is a trans reading in a fight club. We'll get to that. We're getting there. But um, he wants to express himself without the tie. He wants to kind of, like, let loose, show the blood that's on him, show the beating, you know. And, and he, he wants to resist the conformity that's kind of imposed on him by his, like, kind of, like, higher-ups and, you know, society. It's like, I'd rather just do this from home. But at the same time, I think that the men beat you know, beat the shit out of each other because they are, and you know, make their ass like a wad of cookie dough. Hmm. Um, <laughs> they, it's like kind of like a supplement for what they really want to do, which is fucking. Um, the, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the tie because, uh, ties are, as far as phallic symbols go, um, 
uh, ties are phallic symbols, um, as are cigarettes, and <laughs> the cigarettes uh, are, are pervasive throughout. Um, and uh, I, I noticed, like, in, he identifies his boss, like, multiple times by the color of his tie. And he's, and the scene where he says, I don't even wear a tie to work anymore, that's when he's smoking. He has traded in one phallic symbol, the socially acceptable one, the costume uh, appropriate for, you know, conforming in the work environment, to uh, an unacceptable one, a, 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 a rebellious phallic symbol, uh, and, and a, 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 a demonstration of power because it's also when he uh when he threatens to, to when he threatens to columbine his boss and in the office phallic symbols they're fun <laughs> um yeah yeah and, and and i think there's like a lot to that but i also think that like the men are basically like like do like you know beating beating each other up and, and kind of like tackling each other getting down on each other and, and i think that it is kind of like like I said, a supplement kind of for like their internal queerness where maybe they could find a more, you know, not to say that fighting is inherently unhealthy. I don't think it is. But um, I think the direction that, you know, once the fight clubs become like Project Mayhem becomes more cult, like it kind of like becomes like, this uh-huh. new system that's not necessarily like even if not all their goals are that bad, their the motivation is, especially when it's like run by misogyny and kind of like, no, screw women. We're not we're not. We're not going to be women. Women are is not the answer to what we need. The shift from being Fight Club to being Project Mayhem is the scene where the owner of the building, the one who owns the capital, who owns the property, uh, comes and is like, you're not doing this anymore. And that is when Tyler uh, asserts himself as the boss previously Mm -hmm. fight club was just a it was a it was a collective thing where just you know everyone was you know it didn't have a focal point of like leadership and and it's funny because when uh when uh lou um first beats tyler to the ground we see the 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 rest of the the guys like you know fight club like move forward like they're gonna like they're gonna help him and you know collective collective action uh but he he stops them. He's like, no, let me take care of this myself. And so he as an individual um, asserts himself over the... The, the collective. The, or, yeah, over the collective and um, beats the boss, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the owner of capital, uh, into... He gets power over the establishment in a way. And it's right. then that he starts giving out homework assignments and acts like... Uh, the leader. That's that's where Project Mayhem begins. That's when it goes from being a a collective uh, group 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 um, into a cult into a cult. Um, and it's 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 fascinating that, uh, it, it, that it, it is super fascinating and it's it, it's really layered and sometimes a little bit paradoxical. I really am resistant again. I'm really resistant to that kind of like, that reductive. Oh, it's satire. It's it's actually feminist kind of reading. It it it, it it's, that's not what it is. It's not all that that we have here. Yeah. Because what I think the film is ultimately about is wrestling with gender, gender, sexuality, kind of tied together. Let's call it queerness. When I was like a young, when I was a younger boy, I, uh, of course, I, I love this film, but what I gravitated towards most wasn't Brad Pitt. It was Edward Norton. I just thought that he was like, you know, really cute. And, but I, I think like why I kind of like resonated so well with him is because I too, uh, even not even knowing at the time, I too was in this state of questioning. So yes, Tyler and the narrator are one and the same, but Marla arguably is part of 
you know, the same person as well. I was like, okay, so we watch, we rewatch this movie in mind with, you know, that Tyler Durden is in the narrator's head. But why don't we, why don't we also logically, you know, go for it? Why don't we ever wonder if Marla's also in his head? What Tyler represents is the narrator's kind of like ideal masculine self. This is the man I'm supposed to be, you know, a man's man. I'm against society. I'm not complacent. I'm not soft. This is who I want to be. And it becomes that. We've already talked about the lost film, you know, search for the lost film. Marla is the narrator. Marla is the idealized female form. Again, still a little bit against conformity, if you if you notice anything about her style. She, she, she's an edgy goth nihilist that's, that's not scared of death, and she is his spirit animal, for goodness sake. The, the, the narrator is going to do these different, like, kind of, like, support groups for people with cancer and so on and so forth. He finds Marla there, and he finds Marla there, and he's like, oh, you're a Taurus just like me. He's trying to find himself. He's trying to get over his insomnia and, 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 and make some, you know, by adopting these new identities. The way the narrator begins the story is this all has something to do with a girl named Mar- Marla Singer. Like, she is presented as the inciting, right. the inciting thing. So basically, she's like, she's a Taurus too, and and so he's trying to find himself more. But then the more he finds himself, the, the you know, the penguin in the cave becomes Marla. And either he wants to be her, he wants to be with her, he wants to be her, he is her, just like he wants to be Tyler, he is Tyler. Um, here's the thing, it all started with Marla Singer, you say. Right after that, it cuts straight to Bob. Bob with bitch tits. Bob with bitch tits. The film obviously is not meant to be taken completely literal. Um, I would also say that Bob is is a figment of his imagination. This is basically what it is, to to sum it up. I am Jack's gender crisis. I want to be Marla, but I fear being Bob. So I'll be Tyler. Bob is is effectively transitioning. You, You know, not like exactly by choice, but basically, you know, he had testicular cancer his manhood was taken away and now he is and then he was on testosterone but then he had too much testosterone so then he's on estrogen now he grows now he has bitch tits (laughs) and basically before i transitioned i feared you know of course i wanted to be marla i wanted to be you know a a girl i wanted to be a girl but then also part of me was like "I'm i'm i'm afraid of that so let me so i constantly was antagonistic to that part of me there's that scene where like the narrator is telling Marla to leave and then he embraces you know Brad Pitt's character it's it's so it's it's very interesting but also you know when I wanted to be a girl I also feared that I wouldn't be able to do that I I would be some kind of hybrid this like emasculated man instead and that is Bob Mm -hmm. yeah there's a total of two people that are shown um killed in this film and that's um Brad Pitt's um Tyler Durden and Bob they both get their brain blown out from the back of their heads. Uh-huh. Um, similarly, yeah. uh, similarly, Marla is first shown uh, with smoking, and Tyler dies with smoke. <laughs> it's like masculine liberation that he gets from Tyler. It, it's fleeting. The feminine influence keeps coming back, and he wants her to do so as well. But at one point, he like argues with Marla by shutting her out and embraces Tyler. And soon enough, he becomes Tyler. Then he, then he's that person, that toxically masculine person. And then he's like, what? What am I? This isn't who I want to be. What have I done? Yeah. He, uh, he tries, he tries sending her away. Uh, but she 
inexplicably comes back and it's i always thought that was that was that was kind of strange um especially because that doesn't happen in the book the the ending of the the ending of the book is quite different but the way that i interpret the ending is basically okay the problem with project mayhem is the motivation not so much the end goals erasing debt um maybe in a little bit simplistic way uh (laughs) <laughs> pretty pretty yeah. pretty cool in my book uh an edgy teenager's understanding of capitalism it is but also like you know you're resetting debt you know it, it th- this this might actually help people uh yeah a, a lot of people especially kind of people that are kind of screwed over by, by capitalism yeah you know tyler who is you know edward norton's tyler embraces his queerness which is symbolized by the bullet fellatio that he performs and he and then you know it kills off that that tyler part of him and now he's ready to watch the old world burn while he's joined by marla hand in hand yep rejects toxic masculinity and embraces embraces the queerness the 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 queerness that's part of him homosexuality transness whatever they're one and the same who cares also also notably with the buildings collapsing skyscrapers are also phallic symbols like like the, the wall-to-wall phallic symbols <laughs> also um, like oh my goodness like i know that this is like 99 but like the 9-11 imagery in this is kind of insane the just kind of oh yeah falling buildings uh or, or another like thing like common image shared in a lot of uh uh films at the time it was it was it's and it makes sense because skyscrapers are like visual manifestations of our of of capitalist excess capitalist hoarding uh we we we, we've the frontier is finished we reached the other coast now we just build up build up and and so skyscrapers um you know they represent the the decadence of and the excesses of uh capitalism and it makes perfect sense that uh the 911 uh, uh hijackers that they that they did they hijacked a plane it came from the sky and they and they attacked where did they attack they did, they they successfully attacked the world trade center american economic power uh over the world and yeah. and, and then and that's what kind of like united white people um <laughs> in the united states and yeah. and basically uh it's what kind of like gave motivation to go to a war in a completely a completely unrelated country you know, to get oil, yeah. uh, put her, put her like 18 year old kids, uh, as like pawns for like some kind of like oil extraction in the Middle East. Um, we needed an enemy. Yeah. We needed an enemy is the thing that all that stuff, you know, Iraq war, nine 11, like it was a just, it, it, it functioned almost as like effectively functioned as a distraction from where we were heading. That's reflected in these postmodern films of, of, of the late nineties, you know? And, and like, yeah, you know, of course, 9-11 is a sad thing because we basically just like destroyed other cultures because of it. That's like the real tragedy that comes from that. And basically, the 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 people who carried out 9-11, part of the same zeitgeist, the, 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 the same imagery of collapsing buildings and the the mm-hmm. symbolic weight of that. Um, 9-11 was a very symbolic like. Mm-hmm. display of of kind of like like power but but the way that i look at 911 i guess uh <laughs> i guess i would say this uh when you poke a bear expect to get mauled yeah it's chickens coming home to roost but then also expect for um your team to basically uh gun down every last bear in the forest basically <laughs> yep 
uh, yeah. that's that that's kind of like that's how I look at it. And um, yeah, uh, but anyways, uh, Fight Club, um, <laughs> uh, pretty uh, pretty gay movie. And I think pretty that gay. like basically what I would say is is that I feel like both of these films and and other films from that same year, honestly, I feel like they really tapped into kind of like um, the zeitgeist of, of like America, like just like moments you know, you know, basically just like the years leading up to 9-11, kind of like where we're at, you know, Y2K, Columbine, it, it kind of like, like basically like this like image, the success that America has, it's a simulation and, and it's time that we wake up and break out of it. It's time that we liberate ourselves. It's a time that we accept ourselves for who we are as people, as men, women, whatever, not really much of a difference. Yeah. And basically just like, even though Fight Club is ultimately still kind of like a product of capitalism one way or another, all things, just about everything is, people are wrong to say that it's centrist insofar as it's just, uh, it's trying to like um, return to order. That if we view the the collapse of the uh, credit card company buildings as basically being, um, oh, satirical, then, we, then, then actually what's saying is like, oh, this is wrong. And we and men are the problem for no 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 I think that project, it is kind of ultimately at least somewhat pro Project Mayhem. Yeah, it, it's 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 a tricky as it should be. <laughs> yeah, as it should be. Well, it's it's a tricky thing because uh, because that that's that's the thing. Like like Fight Club is also a very good portrait of how the disenfranchised uh, men in particular get radicalized uh, into in, in in the bad way. Uh, get radicalized into. Uh, death cult mentality because again that's that's what the right that's what fascism is fascism is a big death cult and uh, especially in the last decade or so as we've seen the resurgence of fascism uh there is there is that that's how it happens is is uh disenfranchised disillusioned young men who are rightfully frustrated with the system that 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 we live under um they find they're drawn to uh charismatic leaders who offer to them a seemingly innocuous uh ways of catharsis and you have i think of like jordan peterson his whole uh, all, all the self-help people p- people shit like like oh, fight club goodness. is can be seen as as kind of a a type of self-help thing um but but like but yeah pe- the the disenfranchised you know men are, and boys are drawn to these charismatic leaders who promise them who both reinforce both reinforce the status quo and their feelings within it but are also at the same time like but stick with me and you know be a part of this something bigger that'll be the solution to it and and that's no no cult our 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 salvation from capitalism lies in community mm-hmm. not and that's ultimately what i cults. think that like the matrix is kind of like showcasing you know like the the revolution in the third movie it happens like with a group of people you know it it is commenting on all this stuff and and ironically the people that seem to like matrix and fight club in all the wrong ways they you know the whole red pill mentality too of like yeah appropriating that to be basically for men's rights activism or fascism or whatever like take the red pill which is basically just them saying get woke but they're just they just have all the wrong conclusions about society um it, it's quite mm-hmm. pathetic but you know but but something that's worth noting and this is what i hate about what some feminist critics say about fight club and just just for the record we're both like feminists you could say um but but men 
yeah, they're promised the world and they're given power system, you know, systematically, but they too are oppressed by the system of gender, uh-huh. the prison of gender. It's not just women, it's men too, because, because think about, think about it from like the point of view of like, uh, you know, the narrator or even Neo for that matter, where basically it's like, oh, I feel like I'm, I should be doing better things with my life fulfilling things for my life yeah but this is all i have and then like but i have all this stuff it doesn't why why am i not completely happy why can't i sleep you know why would i rather be someone else you know um Mm -hmm. and uh you know why can't i just be marla Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh or or why can't i don't want to be thomas anderson i want to be neo um (laughs) and and i think that like that's kind of um (laughs) you know then the system will keep calling us thomas anderson and telling us to conform but then also at the same time you know that fear of castration that fear of losing what makes you what a fear of losing power that's what that means you know when they when they like you know tie up the mayor and or whatever he was the governor or something and they pull the police chief yeah they pull pull a knife to his to his nuts and later they do the same thing to um to the narrator himself and is like no i don't want to i don't want to castrate myself and just for the record you can still be a woman and and and, and like your balls um yeah <laughs> and that, that that's like that's like kind of like insignificant as far as i'm concerned but there's like a lot of kind of this like talks of castration social cast- castration anxiety it, is the anxiety about yeah. castration and that consumerism itself which they view as feminine feminine is is kind of castrating men and the problem is not women and fight club makes sure that we know that the problem is the system itself. Men are given all these unrealistic expectations of who they should be. So they want to become Tyler. They want to, they want to be Tyler when in reality they should just be Marla or, you know, find some kind of like halfway in between stage, you know, that's not so toxic. You know, I do think that, I think what this, with this film and probably the book to some extent are about is that like try to find a balance that's good for oneself. Yeah, but not so much make a peace with the system, and that's what that's what I think is important. And and I think that you know, of course, we see that whole echoes of castration early on at that uh, testicular support group. Which, by the way, it, it, it's funny when Marla comes in. Wouldn't everybody there just imagine that she's trans or something that she just went like, all the way? <laughs> like I I, I would have, um, because like yeah, it's it's yeah, women uh, can get testicular cancer. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, and and I think that um, it's a shame that Helena Bonham Carter, I guess, is a little bit on the turfy side, but whatever. Yeah, um, R.I.P. She's hot here. So. She's she's still hot twenty four years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, but when you when you get Harry Potter money, like you know, <laughs> like uh, I think it's more like ignorance than like outright like hatred. But you know that that's what that's what you know that that, that can get you too. Yeah. Transphobia is a cult. You know, homophobia, same thing. Um. It's actually, you know, kind of ironic that Helena Bonham Carter turns out to be a, a bit of a gender fascist. Well, yeah, it, it, it's it sucks, and it it, 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 it's, suck. it's, it sucks, but also like I think we need to move past giving celebrities so much like love and adoration for what exactly pretending to be someone because, they're not. <laughs> because that's the thing, and that's what leads. Uh, that's what fucks the, the the guys up in in Fight Club is instead of focusing on their their collective power in 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 each other and, and the bonds between them, they invest their themselves in uh, a a leader, a a a star uh, presents himself as an idealized you know version of who they want to be, mm-hmm. um, and 
and it's the cult of the individual, and that is what allows them to be reduced to uh, ants and an ant ants and an anthill. Uh, they're they're all special snowflakes. That comes from this movie, by the way. Oh yeah, it, it comes from the novel, but it was popularized through the movie. That's the thing. Individuals are not the answer. Communities are not cults. Cults are not communities. And well, I mean, uh, it's a group. Of, that in- I mean, it, the whole just this, this is what I think. I think. Ayn Rand just screwed up everybody's understanding of individualism and collectivism, personally. <laughs> because I think yeah. that she correctly identified something that's kind of, like, common to the secular person. You abandon God, you want to become God. But what do you, how do yeah. you do that? You exploit other people. And mm-hmm. the way that I see it, but the thing is, if you're exploiting other people, you're not really giving, you're not really offering them kind of their own individualism. So I feel like true individualism is found within collectivism. It's it's it, yeah. it, it's weird, but so I think that the distinction between a community and a cult is that a cult doesn't have you know individuals' best interests in mind, and and the way that the Project Mayhem kind of looks at it is like, oh, I guess in death people matter the sacrifices that's yeah. not cults yeah. you must sacrifice your identity as an individual you must sacrifice your individualism yourself to be a part of of a cult to be part of a community you need your your individual you are a people in communities are everyone is unique and diverse and everybody brings their own their own thing to the collective and that is that is the important thing uh cults reduce people to uh objects and um matter the, basically yeah uh com- <laughs> human human com- infectious human waste um mm-hmm. while communities empower individuals uh, together and and I think that that like true liberation. This is what ultimately what I think what the film's saying is that the true masculine liberation, like like like, is to reject all social impositions, including our cult mentality, including kind of like wanting to be someone who we don't that isn't authentic to ourselves, you know. And and I think that or, you know or, or or sacrificing ourselves for others, sacrificing like you know what we really want in life. You know, because it's okay. Because like, it's okay to be soft. It's okay to be emotional. It's also okay to be hard in a uh, kind of more um, self-aware sense, and and kind of like, and and I think that that's why I don't view this as a, as anti-masculinity. I still think it's pro-masculinity. But what it is is it's yeah. like about coming to terms with gender. And I think that you know, effectively, one could argue this is the first gay movie I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I think it resonated with me for a reason, and I. I, I I watched it right at the right time, I felt like. And I felt like the way that everybody else I was watching it wasn't watching it the same way I was. I didn't know exactly how I was watching it, though. Um, yeah. But I, it was through this movie and through Bob, actually, that I first learned about um, prescription hormones. And Really? Yes, and I felt like, I felt weird. I felt like, kind of like, I was like, what What, what do you mean? You mean, you mean men can be like women um, without... But then I'm thinking like, oh, it, well, it has something to do with the fact that it, he lost his balls. You know, he was, he was castrated. But then a number of years ago, I had like a hernia down low. And so um, when I uh, got an ultrasound to, to, to take a look at it, um, my hernia actually went up in my body, but they detected something else down there, a hydrosol. So I've now had two different surgeries down there. And oh, sometimes God. I tell people that and they think I have a vagina, which I think is funny. <laughs> um, yeah. But... Um, 
I was reminded of Fight Club sometimes when I was like, I was thinking about kind of that testicular cancer support group because, yeah, I'm probably like overly anxious, but you know, cancer runs in my family. Testicular problems run in my life. So I do sometimes like wonder what if I get testicular cancer? And my mindset before was if I got testicular cancer and I had to lose my balls, if I, I don't want to be like Bob, I would just go all the way. That was my egg mentality before. Yeah. Now, looking back, like I can just trace my engagement with media and engagement with self, you know, it echoes things about our lives, you know, yeah. but eventually like, you know, but I fear becoming someone like Bob, but Bob is, it, it's, it's a sad misfortune, but I think that like when he dies, that's kind of, that's, that's like, we're going too far. We can't, we're not doing it. We're not, we're not taking care of the individual. That Bob yeah. person, when I'm not going to be like Bob, I'm going to be like Marla, you know? Yeah, own and that's in own way. Yeah, when he pushes uh, Marlo away, and they're like, "Tyler's not here." Um, it's it's right after that Bob is shot, and and he's brought in literally right after. Uh, and and so right, that's... and so I, I honestly think that like you know, as like he's coming to find peace through the support groups, he he finds Marla in this cave for a reason. It's he doesn't realize that he sees it as a threat, but it's what he actually wants. Either to yeah. be in close proximity of him, or that is him, you know. And and I think I think that's great. And I think that like yeah. and and yeah, you know, Matrix is trans. Just watch my video if you want to know why. My last word on Fight Club, um, I guess, would be my personal connection to it. I'll give you all uh, give you all this little freebie. Um, I had I had the option um, as as a youth when I was younger to decide between being an absolute asshole named Tyler and a woman, and I decided to be a woman named Vivian, and it was, like, one of the best decisions I ever made. Highly recommend. If you see Tyler Durden in the road, kill him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to, you know, accept ourselves, work together. Um, another fun little just you know, meaningless connection uh, between The Matrix and Fight Club. Uh, the the sex scene with um the the, the weird looking sex scene with uh Marla and, and Tyler um was filmed using the, bu- the bullet time the same like bullet time technique. Oh really? That yep yeah they wore mocap they wore mocap suits. That sounds and, the least um, sexually intimate way to film a sex right? scene possible. <laughs> but I I'm all I'm all, I'm all here for it. So, this week was two movies that basically everybody's heard of. Uh, next week, we're going to do two movies that you probably have not heard of, um, but should have, and you should watch them. We have Short Bus from 2006, directed by John Cameron Mitchell um, of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, um, and Love by Gaspar Noah. Both of these films kind of like deal with polyamory, one more favorable than the other, uh, and they're, they're sexy. Uh, we'll get into them soon enough yeah these are very very horny very hot movies um both contain um uh heavy use of unsimulated sex which is fun um and yeah they, they explore uh polyamory and that's what we're going to be uh we're going to be talking about yeah it's a it's a it's about time yeah we get on that topic yeah, but yeah. <laughs> do try to keep up with your youtube channels because we do um upload some good uh material there for you to kind of like digest uh vivian recently released a video on the marquee decide and i lended my voice as the man himself uh really good queer reading of like this historical um uh figure who's basically been kind of like turned into this like monster in the cultural myth yeah yeah so do subscribe to our channels and also 
uh, follow us on uh, social media like uh, Twitter and um, and subscribe to our Patreons um, each. Give us money. <laughs> give, us money. money. <laughs> yep. yeah. this, give us money. Yep. Yeah. Give us money. Give us money. Bye. <laughs> All right. See y'all next time. Stay gay. Thank you.